Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Nanny Mitz. Today... We are reviewing two different games for the Kansas Jayhawks. One for the men, the Oklahoma State Cowboys game on Big Monday that the Jayhawks won there. Uh, And then on Tuesday night, the Kansas women played the West Virginia Mountaineers, were able to come out that game with a victory. Um, Unfortunately, there was some some other stuff, not necessarily specifically game-related, that uh, definitely has KU fans a little bit worried, and we'll wait to hear what's going on there. But uh, I am actually solo today. I do not have a guest coming on to help me recap these games so uh you're gonna have to bear with me but i promise it won't be too bad i really really promise that all right look we're gonna start with the big monday game because i'm gonna tell you right now that is a game that i'm not really sure what to make of it yes kansas got the victory that they needed they won 76 62 um i'm gonna be honest the game probably wasn't even that close uh you know kansas was up Going into the last 10 minutes, uh, you know, they were up by another 12. I mean, at, at one point, they were up by 30. Um, like, it was it was bad. Um, and then, you know, Kansas kind of took their foot off the gas, should have had, like, the benches clear and all that, weren't able to do that when they normally would have with, like, four minutes left in the game. Um, Bill Self actually made a comment about that after the game, talking about how, you know, that's one they should have put their foot down. They should have cleared the benches with, like, four minutes left. And they weren't able to do it that this team needs to finish better. They need to put put their foot on the gas and step on people's throats and finish them off. Um, and they did not do that. Now, granted, this was a game that was was definitely up and down. You had a lot of players that were that were up and down throughout the night. Um, you know, none of which I think embodies that more than a guy like Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson did not have a very good first half, um, was able to finally get going towards the end of that first half there. And then, uh, unfortunately, or I'm sorry, fortunately, had a very, very good second half. He ended up with 11 points uh, on three of eight shooting in uh, for, for twos and one of three for threes. Um, he did have seven total rebounds, so he he did contribute in other ways, but it was an off and on night for a lot of the Jayhawks. Um, I was also a little surprised just to kind of see who did and didn't play. You know, I expected off of the great performance that Zach Clements had, uh, against Oklahoma to end that game that we probably would have seen more from him in this game, but he only got nine minutes in this game as well. Uh, he only made one, two misses only three, you know, had two really bad free throw attempts that he didn't even come close on. Um, but he did have six rebounds. So, I mean, 
Zach Clements had a really good, or I'm sorry, a good enough game, I think, for what we expect from him at this point. Uh, I do wonder at, one, at what point his role is going to increase, uh, if they're, if they're going to be able to get more out of him or not, or if he's just going to kind of be this player. Now, granted, McCormick actually had a really good game. He had 12, he, he finished with 12 points and 12 rebounds. So double, double, um, he actually had three assists as well and two blocks. So he was kind of doing a little bit of everything. Um, uh, except for of course, taking threes, he had probably one of the more dominant games that he's, than he's had in quite a while. Um, at least in that first half, like the first half he got, he got quite a few offensive rebounds right off the bat. Um, you know, on easy shots that honestly he probably should have made or some of his teammates should have made and, and just was not able to, to kind of put those away. Um, you know, Kansas, Kansas definitely, or neither team was really able to do much in the first 10 minutes. First 10 minutes, uh, Kansas was up 10 to nine and all of a sudden the lids came off the basket, but there was a lot of back and forth early in this game. It looked like it's going to be another ugly game, another game where the offense couldn't get going. Uh, and Kansas was really able to turn it on at the end of the first half. Um, they had their their drop much earlier in the first half than they did in the first game against Oklahoma State. So I don't know that I'm necessarily too worried about this team. Um, you know, overall, we've talked multiple times about how, you know, the offense isn't really the thing you should worry about with this team. It's that defense. And this was a game that was pretty good for the defense. Uh, yes, it is an offensive team in Oklahoma State that is not as good of an offense as you probably you know, would, would want, I'm sorry, they are not a good enough offense that you have to feel really good about the fact that, that Kansas was able to shut them down, but they are good enough that you at least have to be encouraged by the fact that Kansas did not allow them to score like crazy. Looking at the, you know, the final, um, the final stats here over on Ken Palm, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State scored on point eight or sorry, scored 0.89 points per possession. Um, which is a good number for Kansas defensively. Kansas on offense scored 1.09 points per possession. So overall, this is what you expected coming into this game. You, had, you expected to have a good offense and a fairly good defense kind of shutting down what Oklahoma State was able to do. I don't want people to look at this game and say, man, you know, they only beat them by 12 or they only beat them by 14. Like they should have beat them by a whole bunch more. Yes, I think we can all agree that they should have beat them by a whole bunch more. But as we talked about with that Oklahoma game, a win is a win. You got to be happy with it. You know, they didn't have any serious injuries. You know, they played in some, honestly, some not great looking uniforms. And hey, look, I'm going to, I'm going to take a minute and talk about these uniforms because I love throwbacks. We actually had the player ratings, Derek Knoll over on Blue Wings Rising did the player ratings and, you know, did them to the theme of throwback uniforms, the retro uniforms. I, I love the retro uniforms that we do quite a bit, uh, you know, as as Kansas fans. I, I love seeing those. They have some really good ones. I honestly wish that we could go back to the circus font uniforms and just have those be our main uniforms because those are my favorite ones. Um, but it is one of those things, unfortunately, where, you know, there is not um, or there's occasionally going to be a dud. And I, I realize that these were like 1922 uniforms like it was intended to be basically what they had you know, a hundred years in the past when they had that Holmes national championship, but the way that the combination, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the clash with what Oklahoma state was wearing, that it looked really, really strange, or I just don't like the, you know, the two tone. I, I give Kansas state fans uh crap all the time because they absolutely love those light lavender tops with the dark purple bottoms that look absolutely atrocious. 
this gave off a similar sort of vibe to me. And I don't know if maybe they would have matched that, you know, it would have been fantastic. I don't know that I would have liked the dark grays anyway. Um, you know, they've done like the, the cream ones that we've had in the past. Those were some really good ones. So I think, I think that it potentially, it has some potential, but I just did not like the combination that they had. And man, we're, we're, we're turning into a uniform critique podcast, but, but that's quite all right. Um, you know, it, it was bugging me all night. It was making it honestly harder for me to watch the screen because half the time, like if I looked away and looked back, it was kind of hard to tell for a second, split second, who was who, because, you know, I just, I wasn't expecting to see Kansas in those color uniforms. And so it was, it was kind of distracting. I don't know that I, I would want them to wear them again, but if they did, they need to do something different with them. Um, but that's a completely different discussion that we can have. At some other point uh, for the Oklahoma state side, Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson, the two best players that they have over at Oklahoma state had some pretty good games, uh, you know, scoring 15 and 11 respectively, but for the most part, Kansas was able to keep them down. I, you know, it seemed like a lot of those points were, were coming later or coming on breakdowns or, you know, Kansas still showed a tendency to break down on defense, to give Oklahoma state some options to do some things that we, that are, that are, that are driving us crazy. But I, I think it's at least somewhat mitigated by the fact that a lot of that kind of happened in the second half after Kansas was already up by quite a bit. So I, I, again, it's, it's potentially worrisome, but it's not something I think that we should be getting hung up on uh, something that we should be super worried about. So um, yeah, uh, other individual players in this game that I, you know, that I, that I really want to talk about, obviously Ochai Abaji had a great game scoring 20 points right there around his season average. Uh, he got nine foul shots, which is much better than what we had, you know, was being seen previously. Um, actually, I think that's what I was most encouraged by is that the free throw issues weren't a huge issue in this one. McCormick was four of four. Abaji was nine of 10. Brown was four of six. Jalen Wilson was two of three. Dewan Harris didn't shoot any, um, you know, and then the rest of the misses came from Yesufu who had two and then Clements who had two that he missed. So, you know, 70 percent free throw line yeah isn't fantastic but it's at least good enough it's much better than what we have been seeing recently so i'm definitely happy with that especially from this game so um yeah you know i'm not i'm not horribly worried it's definitely something that needs to to improve to continue to improve but abaji had a good game seven rebounds you know those those 20 points he was the leading scorer from from both teams um and it, it was pretty apparent early that they were going that Oklahoma State had originally planned to try to take away Abaji, but too many other things opened up. McCormick had too much on the inside that they couldn't like double team or they couldn't try to isolate what McCormick, I'm sorry, what Abaji was doing. Um, and and I honestly, I think that that also is part of just what Oklahoma State has issues with. They don't really have a guy that can just lock down, take away someone like some of these other teams do. So I think Abaji was able to get his. There was a lot of cuts to the basket. There was a lot of you know, backdoor cutting and a lot of things that Kansas was able to do that you have to be super encouraged by, you know, if you are looking at this Kansas offense, um, Christian Brown had a, had a great game. You know, he was fired up. Um, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny because looking at the, the Q and a we had over blue wings rising, Landon Lucas talked about how Christian Brown, you know, brings that energy, brings that attitude and likes to trash talk. And you could tell he was fired up in this game. He was definitely engaged and he was he was doing a lot to fire up the rest of the Jayhawks. But the guy that I really want to talk about, because honestly, I think he had one of his better games 
Um, and, and, you know, I think people will disagree with me. There's probably a lot of people that still think he's not doing enough. But DeWan Harris, I was thoroughly impressed with the way that he played in this game. He was 3 of 4 from 2, 2 of 5 from 3. He looked like he was willing to shoot. There was times where Oklahoma State was leaving him open, and he was taking shots, and he was driving to the basket, and he was requiring people to come over and actually guard him. And that opened up things all over the place for the rest of the team. The last few games, I think DeWan Harris has made a, a, a very deliberate step towards shooting the ball more and finding ways to get his offense going, realizing that that is a way that it is going to open things up for everyone else. He actually took more shots than I thought he was going to. He took nine shots, which I don't think that Dewan Harris needs to have double digit shots. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, or actually last week, I believe it was. Look, he does not need to be a high volume shooter, but when they leave him wide open, he needs to be a threat to shoot so that people have to pay attention to him because if you are paying attention to Dewan Harris and actually accounting for him as part of your defense, you are going to leave other guys open. It left lanes open for Christian Brown. It left lanes open for Ochai Abaji. It helped with the spacing. So Jalen Wilson, when he crashed the boards, actually was able to get to the ball. McCormick had a lot more room to work. Dewan Harris's improvement in taking shots and being willing to take shots is probably the biggest development for this offense that we can see the rest of the way. As long as he's willing to keep doing that, it's going to open up tons of opportunities for them getting to the Big 12 tournament into the NCAA tournament. And that, I think, is what's the biggest problem that we saw. It makes me wonder what's going to happen when a guy like Remy Martin comes back because our biggest problem, I think, was that the offense wasn't flowing freely when Dewan Harris was in and that when Remy came in, it was much, much more you know, freer of an offense. Things were moving around. Remy was looking to score. Remy was taking shots when they were, you know, like they had to respect his game and actually guard what he was doing offensively. If Dewan Harris can do that, I honestly think Dewan Harris is a better defender than Remy Martin is. He maybe is not quite as quick, but, you know, they're relatively the same size. They have fairly similar defensive skill sets. Um, I don't know that Remy has really shown that he has a grasp of Bill Self's defense as well as Dewan Harris does. And so I think that Harris is actually better equipped that way to play in the defense. So the biggest difference between the two, and I think why a lot of people, including myself, were clamoring for Remy Martin to be playing more was because of the offense. And if Dewan Harris is playing the role that he needs to play in the offense, yes, I still think that Remy Martin will have a, a role when he comes back, but I don't think it's a point anymore where Martin has to be the main point guard. Um, you know, I, I also, the other thing that I think is really beneficial, you know, we saw Joseph Yesifu got 22 minutes in this game. I do think that Remy Martin gets a few, gets some of those minutes. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Martin play, you know, half of those. So 10 minutes for Martin, 10 minutes for Yesifu to to play alongside Dewan Harris. And that gives us a lot of options. It opens up a lot of things. It keeps a lot of legs fresh. Um, you know, the thing that we talked about last week and even earlier this week is still true. This is a very, very deep team, a team that has a lot of options. And the fact that Dewan Harris is now no longer such a hindrance on offense, he's still not, you know, a threat to go to go seven of eight from three or anything like that. And, and I realize that that's probably my favorite, you know, random, really good three point shooting statistic to pull up because I talk about it all the time when we talk about opponents that are just going to go ballistic. Um, but like, I don't think Dewan Harris is is a candidate to go off from three in, you know, more than a game potentially here or there. Um, and I'm not expecting him to, you know, to start driving and being a slashing guard and getting, ent- you know, entering the post, at least this year. That may be an, an aspect of his game that develops as we go. 
but it's not an expectation for here, but he has opened up so many opportunities. So I'm excited to see how this team is able to build on that, especially getting ready to go into, you know, the games they have this weekend playing against West Virginia. Um, you know, when, when the ball started moving more, the first time they can't just play West Virginia and McCormick started playing well inside, they completely blew West Virginia out of the water doing the same sort of thing down, down over in Morgantown would be huge for this team, huge for the progression and getting them set up really well for that run to the end of the, to the conference season. So, um, you know, we do have games coming up. I, we will be doing some sort of preview of West Virginia on Friday. Uh, tomorrow we're actually going to be talking about women's basketball. Um, I, I am going to go ahead and recap the women's game that actually happened on Tuesday night, um, to kind of give an update there. Uh, but we will actually be talking Thursday morning. We'll actually be doing a preview of the women's game as well. I have, have a wonderful guest from the Texas tech, uh, uh, podcast coming on though. The one that's here on, on the 10, 12 network, the tortillas and takes podcast. It's not, I'll be sure. It's one of the other hosts they have over there who, who is willing to come on and talk about women's basketball. So it's, it, it's about time. We actually start doing episodes talking specifically about women's basketball, because this is a team that is really exciting to watch. So I want to talk more about what the team is doing. Um, kind of give you an update on, on the actual team. But before we do that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock chalk podcast. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group. We like to call the cyclone family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa state unique each week on the cyclone family podcast. Some names you may know while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure. This is one family reunion you won't want to miss each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. And we're back. All right, I'm here solo today. Uh, we just got done recapping the Oklahoma State game. Uh, but jumping on over to the women's side on Tuesday night, Kansas, for the second time in six days, played the West Virginia Mountaineers. This time it was in Lawrence. Uh, you know, Kansas is riding high on a five-game winning streak uh, the longest streak that they've had in a really, really long time. The last time that they won more games in a row than they have right now in conference was back when they finished seven straight games to end the 1996-97 season and win the Big 12 at that point. So this is this is truly a fantastic streak for them. Yes, it's come against some of the lower teams in, in the conference, um, but, you know, they had a great win against Kansas State as part of that. Um, you know, you also talk about the win over Texas down in Austin that they had earlier this year. This is a team that has done a lot of great things and is looking absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, coming into the year, I think most most everybody was talking about Holly Kurzgeter and how she was going to have to be the one to really kind of power this team um, to the good results that they would, would potentially have. And there, you know, while while Zakiya Franklin was a was a person that they were talking about, a, a, a player who could potentially help out quite a bit, and she was at Big Twelve Media Days and kind of talked about her role in the team as well. Um, I think the, the expectation was that Kansas had a main person, um, you know, that was going to, like the team was going to come and go based off of how well she played. And I think tonight's game especially really showed that that's not the case, that this is a, a complete Kansas team that has a lot of different options. The reason I say that, Holly Kurzgeter actually got in foul trouble really early in this game. Um, you know, she played the first two minutes of the first half, uh, and that was it, and sat for almost the entire first half after that. She came back in with like three minutes left to go in the first half. Um, but at that point, Kansas was actually up a decent amount, um, you know, and, and and cruising into halftime. And so it was really just a matter of like uh, other people that stepped up. Tyana Jackson had a phenomenal game. Uh, she only had seven points here, but she did play 30 minutes. She had uh, nine rebounds total. So she missed out on a double-double, but had some pretty good rebounds. Uh, she did have She did have quite a few blocks though. 
which was absolutely fantastic. She had five blocks on the night, which was enough to get her into, I believe it's seventh, seventh place um, on the all time, or I'm sorry, on, on the single season blocks list, which is, which is great for her to be moving up that list. Um, Chelsea Gardner, I believe is the person that she passed. So, you know, she's having a great season down low. She actually was really big in that Kansas state game that happened on Saturday. Um, and so, you know, she, she did a lot to shut down Ayoka Lee when she was out of the game. Lee had a much easier time actually getting things done and doing what she wanted to do. Tyner Jackson did a really good job of shutting her down. So um, other, other players that really stepped up tonight, Zakaya Franklin actually had a phenomenal game. She had a, she was one off of her career high. She had 25 points tonight. Um, she got three rebounds, four assists, one steal. Uh, she did have four, or I'm sorry, she, she did have six turnovers, but I think she was playing a little bit outside of the role she normally has. She didn't have Curse Geeter there for most of the game. Um, you know, actually kind of had a scary moment there in the second half that we'll talk about, or no, actually, I'll just talk about it right now. Holly Curse Geeter, unfortunately, about halfway through, uh, actually, I think it was early in the fourth quarter, she was on the sideline talking with Coach Snyder, um, and it just went down. Um, like it didn't, she didn't have any contact or anything. I didn't see anything on any of the replays from before. So it's, it didn't look like she had gotten hit on a play, you know, shortly before that, but she went down. Um, she had to be steadied while she was sitting on the floor. Uh, you know, she was holding her head when she was able to get up. She was able to get up and walk off the court when I went out into the tunnel and people were attending to her. I have not seen an update. I am hoping that we will hear something that I'll be able to update you guys. Um, I will do that from the rock talk podcast account. Um, you know, assuming that I actually hear something, but, Unfortunately, we don't really know what's happening with with Curse Geeter, um, which could potentially be an issue for them moving forward. But first and foremost, like the main worry there isn't necessarily what this means for the team moving forward. It's it's her health. Um, you know, the way that that happened, it was it was unfortunate to see. It was a little scary to see her just go down. Um, and and I'm, I know that I'm you know, anxiously looking for any kind of updates that I can get. And I will share them as soon as I have them for you guys. But I do think it's at least encouraging from a, on the court perspective that even after, even with her gone for most of this game, they had an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, You know, Kansas really shut down West Virginia. The margin on this one was a lot closer than I think it probably should have been. Um, You know, they were, they were up by quite a bit. West Virginia did make a little bit of a run towards the end of the towards the end of the game. At that point, though, it looked like some of the you know air had come out of the sails with Kurzgeter going down and then just kind of trying to play off the string to just could finish the game. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know that I want to read too much into that where you know they should have won by twenty and they only won by eleven. Um, a double digit win is a double digit win, especially in a conference like this. So Kansas was able to defend the home court, was able to to really kind of you know solidify the positioning that they have in the Big Twelve Conference. Their conference opponents have some really big games coming up. Um, and so Kansas has an opportunity here with a, a a week when, you know, they play two of the teams that are towards the bottom of the conference to at least maintain and put themselves in a good position so that when they play each of those leaders the rest of the season, you know, they have they their final their or for their final games are against the other four teams that are up at the top of the conference. Uh, you know, they have a game against Iowa State, a game against Oklahoma, a game against Baylor and a game against Texas still coming up. So if they were to somehow manage to win all of those, they put themselves in a good position, you know, assuming that Iowa State drops another one to at least get a share of the tie of the, the Big 12 title. Yes, I know I'm dreaming high. Like that's a really high bar to clear for them. But 
it's at least a possibility the way that they've been taught or the way that they've been playing. So um, definitely something to be excited about. Uh, Anaya, I'm sorry, jumping back to this game though, Anaya Thomas in in 23 minutes had 12 points. Um, She filled in admirably when, when Chris Geter went down, I think she, she picked up a bulk of the, a a big chunk of those minutes that, that Chris Geter wasn't able to play. Um, You know, the five starters in hot Leonti, uh, Tania Jackson, Holly Kirskeeter, Zakaya Franklin, and Julie Brousseau. Um, you know, th- those are the starters. They usually play quite a few minutes. Chandler Prater usually gets quite a few minutes, and 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 she did here as well. Um, she had seven rebounds, only three points, so she didn't score nearly as much as she normally does. But I think Anaya Thomas kind of filled in admirably there for Kirskeeter. Had a really great game for her. Um, you know, with those twelve points. So I, I think that's that's the biggest takeaway from this game is that yes, Kansas kept pace, did what they needed to do. They've now won six games in a row in conference. Um again, the only conference streak that they've had, you know, since the Big Twelve started that was more was when they went on a streak to end the nineteen ninety six, ninety seven season and actually win the conference. So they are they are getting close to the kind of situation that is uh that has not been seen here before with, with Kansas women's basketball in, in a very, very long time, at least. So, um, all right, that, I think that's going to do it for that game, but you know, kind of just looking ahead, um, you know, this weekend we do have Texas tech coming up for the women. Uh, again, that is a game. It is down in, in Lubbock, but it is a game that Kansas should be favored in. Uh, they were favored in this game by 10 and a half and, and they covered that. Um, I would fully expect Kansas to be favored by quite a bit in this game. Um, you know, and it'd be kind of surprised. Well, I I I do want to clarify that if if Kurzgeter is not available, that will definitely affect the lines. It will definitely affect the expectations I think for this team. But this team is talented enough um, that as long as they can keep Vivian Gray from going off, and we'll talk more about this um, on on tomorrow's episode. But as long as they can keep Vivian Gray from going off, then they should be fine. They should be able to pull out a win there and should be able to keep pace. If Kurzgeter is not available, though. Anything can happen, especially in a Big 12 that's as competitive as this one. Um, so it's definitely a worry. It's definitely something that that we should keep an eye on. And it is definitely something that if you have the ability to catch the game, I would highly recommend you do it because, you know, no, no matter what you think about women's basketball, no matter what you think about, you know, the, the history of this team, this is an exciting team to watch. You know, I've been able to watch most of the games they've had this season, especially once conference play started. Um, I've enjoyed watching with my daughter and my wife at times as well. Um, you know, it is, it is an entertaining team. And if you enjoy cheering for Kansas athletics, this is a team that is absolutely worth your time. Um, you know, we have other sports that are starting up too, softball and baseball. Um, actually Kansas softball had a great first weekend. They started off four and one, uh, at the grand Canyon university classic or whatever that, that invitational was, um, you know, it, it was it was actually a great start for them. Um, you know, this is this is a team that is that is looking to do some things in softball in an absolutely stacked conference. The Big Twelve is again. It seems like we say this for a lot of sports recently. The Big Twelve is one of the best softball conferences there is. The SEC is a really good one as well. Um, but you know, Kansas or Kansas is uh, not expected to necessarily do that well overall in the conference just because of how strong this softball conference is. So. The fact that they were able to go four and one in the opening weekend with wins over Northern Colorado, Bradley, Fordham, Grand Canyon University, with the only loss to Weaver State, um, you know that's a great start for them. Uh, they have another tournament coming up this weekend that you'll want to keep an eye on. 
Uh, it's the Texas A&M tournament. They will play two games against Texas Tech. One on one on uh, yeah, one on the Friday and one on Saturday. Uh, they'll also have a game against Stephen F. Austin, a game against Pittsburgh, and then they'll they'll wrap up on Sunday against Missouri State. Uh, so an- another five games this weekend. Another five great opportunities for them to pick up big wins. Um, so definitely stay tuned to that. I, I do not know at this point. I am looking to try to see if I can find information about where you might be able to watch those because I know if I can watch them, I'm going to find a way to do it. Um, stay tuned to the podcast here, Blue Wings Rising. Look at both of those those Twitter accounts. If we can find information on how to actually watch those, we will definitely share that with you guys. Um, I, I highly recommend it if, if you are able. So, All right, but that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. I thank you guys so much for listening. It was a little bit of a different episode with just me. I, I know I, I, I tend to ramble a little bit, but I, I definitely appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode, tuning in to get the updates. Look, I, I realize that women's basketball is nowhere near as popular as men's basketball at Kansas, but like I've said, this is a special team that is doing some really great things. Um, it's great to see Coach Brandon Schneider have a team now that is actually getting back to the levels that Kansas women's basketball should be because we have a fantastic men's program. There's absolutely no reason we can't have a fantastic women's program as well. And so hopefully this is the springboard that we need to get that program back to the level that it should be, uh, which is competing friendship like tournaments regularly, having some success here in the big 12 in a really good big 12 conference, um, you know, and representing the university on the women's side as well as the men's side. So, but that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not, please go out, wherever you get your podcasts, where, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any other million apps that are out there, just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. Um, you know, we, we really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you want in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. But if not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. Um, you can actually contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network. You know, I've said it here multiple times, but look, the, that network is doing some absolutely phenomenal things. And if you want to know about the big 12, everything going on with the big 12 and how it's going to affect your Jayhawk teams, whether it's, you know, basketball, football, softball, baseball, anything that relates to the, to the school, head on over there. You'll get a lot of great updates on a lot of the teams that we have over there, the big 12. So, um, you know, I know that they're, they're going to be focusing on softball coming up, so it's going to be a really great opportunity to do that. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. I really do want to showcase your guys' thoughts, your opinions, your questions, whatever you have for me. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-talk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on the show. But um, make, sure, make sure you visit our great sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.